You ever feel lost, uninspired, alone, or defeated? Well, I'm inviting you to some fellow dreamers for some insight. I believe dreams matter, and you have one, or two, or ten, I don't know. To tackle challenges with love instead of fear is the first step. So let's experience this together as we dive into the stills of life. Are you ready? Go with the flow. All right, we are rolling. Let's do it. Do I look weird sitting like this? No, but if you look at me while doing that, <laughs> then you look weird. <laughs> okay, we're wrong. <laughs> I feel like I already had a beer and I don't. I guess I don't need one. No, I mean, you can get one if you want one. No, 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 no. You You'll take a nap? No, I'll turn into a tomato and explode into your face. Oh, I don't want that. Nobody wants that. Oh, uh, yeah, that sounded wrong. Um, yeah, I just get really red and stupid. I'll just say that. <laughs> I feel like I've seen you have a beer on, on your birthday one time. In a photo? No, no. Like, I came to your birthday party one year. You did? I did. Obviously, you don't remember. No. It was the year after we filmed um, the short that you did. You had a birthday party, and I came to it. Where? It was at a restaurant. Really? Really. Oh, my God. I'm. Don't feel bad. I have no memory of that. Yeah. Maybe you had more beers than you remember. Yeah, all two of them. <laughs> That's all I need if you want to, like, you know... <laughs> Put some like memory implants in me the next day that's it that's all you need oh god that's impressive sarah i haven't seen you in 10 years 10 years i can't believe it it's true how d- i don't sorry i don't remember how we met we met because <laughs> i had just started taking acting classes in burbank and a friend of we have a mutual friend i think it was who said you should talk to billy about because you were working for something with the united methodist church yeah so they met you and you at the time had just started doing film stuff. So that was how we met. We met at a Starbucks in Huntington Beach. I went all the way down to Huntington no, Beach? You, you were there for a reason. I don't remember what. Oh, my gosh. I, this... And I have really bad memories, so yours is even worse. Hey, my <laughs> listeners need to know my memory is pretty good. It's not great. Okay, maybe I have like a 10-year limit. Maybe. Or 11 or 12. Like it's like a your memory starts writing over it your old memories wipe out the yeah i don't re- yeah i don't really think about the past too much that's actually supposed to be really healthy for you to just focus on the future uh i agree i'm very forward thinking forward fantasizing there you go. <laughs> all my desires have to come true or okay. else i'm gonna lose my perfect mind. um sounds really healthy well anyway 10 years later 10 years later you and i i do remember this you okay. and i had a brief dialogue i mm-hmm. think it was at like a retreat Okay. This was before we made that film together. Okay. Um, was it at a summer camp place? It must have been. You you happened to be there, and I think I was working. Yeah, I think so. Through. You were filming a thing about the summer camp. Yeah, so this was a United Methodist thing. Um, but I'll never forget our conversation because it resonated pretty much forever with you because you dropped a bombshell confession to me uh oh. And I don't remember this, so now maybe I'm going to be in trouble. Okay. Well, I'm not making this up, but you said you're a very happy person, but you're not satisfied. Yeah, it's true. And I always thought at the time, when I was more ignorant than I am now, that being happy and satisfied are the same thing. Yeah. But after that conversation, they're completely separate. Yeah. And your confession was like, you know, Billy. I really wish I was an actor. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Like a successful actor. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I actually think I'm more 
satisfied or content. I think there's a difference between satisfied and content. I don't want to be content. I actually think contentment is good. Sure. There's like, I think, obviously I think marketing and all these sort of things, they like really are invested in you being unhappy or un... Like that you feel like you're always lacking something, right? So then I can yeah. give you a product that's going to make you feel better about it. Give uh, it to me. Well, that's what people... That's what every advertising person, right? Yeah, just give it to me. Okay. Yeah, you're ready. Um, and I think what I was desiring then, I think I continue to desire. I knew that my work was never just going to be within a church, but I also knew that I was in a structure that really wanted me to just be that, and that isn't fully me. And if I had just been a pastor, and if that was all kind of the only stuff that I engaged in, I, I would not be satisfied mm. or content. Yeah, but I, I, God, I remember so well based on like just that uh, truth behind your philosophy because um, you were saying like, I have a job that I love. I do. I have people that I love here, coworkers, kids, youth groups, all that stuff. Yeah, I was a youth pastor then, I, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was going to a church that I love. I live, I got my own place, Billy. I got plants. I got. I got plants. I, I got my own place. No one, no one can like destroy it. And right. But I'm not fulfilled because, you know, part of me thinks like, you know, acting is very fulfilling and I wish yeah. I could have done that. I think I've learned a lot more. Um, so I ended up doing a podcast about almost two years ago um, where I realized how much of my life I wasn't content with and that um, I thought I was running after happiness. I thought like, you know, there's this ideal that if I reach, if I get this, then that, you know. And so for me, I had all the markers of a successful life as far as career-wise. I had published books. I had acted. I had done all kinds of stuff that I have always wanted to do, but I still felt that sense of, like, deep within me, like, there's something more. And I think there, that some of that's good. I think there's a drive, right? Um, I had a wonderful art teacher once say to me, you have to just stop working on things sometimes because as an artist, you're always going to be trying to make the thing better. Um, and yeah. so if you're content, then you just stop creating. Or if you're content, you just stop moving towards something and I think I always want to have a, a drive or a hope for things beyond what they are now but I think there's a difference between like being okay with where I'm at right now so that's contentment right yeah. satisfied is there are other things that I want to like finish and get done contentment is the possibility of just being like where I'm at is good it's but good it enough. doesn't mean well I would say it doesn't mean I have to stay here it just means I appreciate the things because for so much of my life I think I didn't pay attention to the things around me because I was always looking to what was missing or what I what was beyond and so for me the the gift of doing a podcast for a year where I ran after happiness was that I learned like practices of gratitude and all these things that obviously are everywhere but are so simple and yet profound like that I can be completely content in a moment but also have goals and things that i want to do late later it doesn't stop my drive in fact it makes them healthier right mm -hmm. and i actually learned that a lot a lot of the i think after i did the film with you i also went to acting school for about a year here in la in burbank and a lot of my friends that i was in acting school with are in like i see them in commercials and movies and it's fun to see oh. um but they were the least happy and content people i know they were always afraid that 
people who are thinking whatever it might be, always looking for the next person that's going to give them the next leg up. Yeah. Not sure of who they were. And I think one of the key components for me in all of this is that I feel like I've learned who I am in such a deeper way that um, it's been really helpful because I'm not trying to be that person or that person. And I think sometimes, particularly actors and actresses, are trying to be someone they're not. I mean, that's your job. And sometimes you lose yourself in it. And I think I've known really successful people who are miserable. And you'd say, but you have everything I've ever wanted. But just because you get everything you want doesn't mean you'll ever be content unless you learn mm. practices of contentment and gratitude. I wonder how we can achieve both worlds and just <laughs> be satisfied with it. I think, I really do think it's like a deep knowing of self. It's like, like I know for me, I, as much as I love being a pastor, I know it, it's been a season for me and I'll continue to pastor in some form, but I know that those days are numbered. They're not forever. Um, and that's made me enjoy where I'm at more because I'm savoring what I know is just temporary, a seasonal thing. Yeah. Um, it's a scary truth about life, right? Everything's temporary. Everything is. And, and you know this when you do the kind of work I do where you spend time with people who may not have that long on earth. Um, you discover that the things that we think matter a lot don't. And the things that really matter, PlayStation. Yeah. Really matter. Yeah, PlayStation is absolutely going to make you satisfied. No, it's going <laughs> to numb you and give you a world that you think you want. Um, yes. There's nothing wrong with PlayStation. A world of escape. PlayStation. How long have you been a pastor now? I graduated from seminary in 2005. So how long is that? That's, gosh, 15 That's about years. about 57 years, yeah. 15 years. But in pastor years, it's 57 years, yeah. <laughs> you do age quicker. Do you think you love it more than you ever did? No. Less? Not. I Same? Say, I would say it's different. Um, I think I am. I So I launched a restart almost four years ago. And it t- has taken everything. My energy, my time, my creativity. And I think I'm at a point where like really good things are happening in that community. But it, I'm, I'm tired. So it's hard mm-hmm. to love something when you're really tired. I'm also sick, so it's a hard day to ask me that question. Um, but No, you sound fine. But I know. Why four years ago? What happened? Um, the church asked me, the denomination asked me to come to a church that had, um, there was about 17 to 27 people attending worship. So it was a big small. building. Yeah, 100-year-old, beautiful building. Um, but such a small group gathered there. And I had assessed them because I was part of what's known as the District Planning and Strategy Committee. Um, I know that's a sexy name. And I had assessed them um, with them. We do this process of helping them kind of see where they are in the life cycle of a church. Because a church is like anything else where there really is a life cycle. And unless you redevelop it, it just grows stagnant. There's lots of examples around me of non-denom churches where everyone in the church is 24. And they have been for 20 years because they only keep 24-year-olds. <laughs> and then they go and find other churches once they reach marriage or whatever it might be they target their audience and that's it a lot of mainline churches really care for people through their entire stages of life but that means if you're not bringing more people in your customer dies <laughs> so it's a crude way of looking at it but is that your responsibility mine yeah to grow the church yeah i mean that's one of our 
yeah, I would say that's one of the things that they would like us to do. Um, for me, yes, because you can't stay around. Um, you're not impacting the community. You're not doing what the purpose of a community like that is. I don't think you always have to be growing a church, but they would lose that building. United Methodism wouldn't be around in Costa Mesa if we were to let go of that um, place and space. And so I came in and, yeah, four years ago, and it's doing great. Super diverse. We've How many? um, On a Sunday, it depends. I mean, we, we can get Sundays that are up in the 90s, or we've had Sundays that are down in the 50s. You know everyone's names? Most. We have a lot of visitors because I speak a lot on podcasts about deconstruction and about faith shifts. That's cool. Um, So we have a lot of people. A lot of our people are people who haven't been part of church communities in years. Mm -hmm. Um, What's what's the age range now? It's We have all six living generations. That's cool. Mm -hmm. No babies? Oh, we've got babies. In the cry room? Mm -hmm. Well, the only room we have is the sanctuary. Oh, no. So we've had to be really creative. Yeah, we lost all of our buildings to have to have a parking lot, which is... So what I have done over the last four years... is Crucial. I know, right? I have learned how to be in an urban setting and create space for people in different places than you would think of. And I feel like it's become a metaphor for all of my work that I love to create space in places that nobody thought there was space for them. That's impressive. Yeah, thanks. So, I mean, I've done everything from... I love being woodworking and furniture building and all that sort of fun stuff so it's been fun to like refurbish the actual church building but also the community that goes there so it's kind of a yeah it's a really neat place but like I said it's taking all of me um and oh, so it's man. hard to say I, I love it and but I'm just exhausted you're tired yeah I imagine you're getting massages twice a month no, um, I work in ministry. No, I'm just kidding. I have um, something called a Theragun, which they should. Be oh, one what? A Theragun. Everyone should get one. Oh it, yes, please. If it says what it sounds like, yes. It is a compression gun that goes and it uh, looks like a drill, but it massages all your muscles after you work out and such. And that has stopped me from having to get massages all the time. Theragun. Theragun. Look it up. Oh my gosh, that's the first thing I'm going to do on Amazon. It's going to be life changing for you. Okay. Let's go way back. Way back. How okay. did you get the calling to be a pastor? Ooh, gosh. Um, I was... Who talked you into it? <laughs> no one. A 16-year-old, actually. Um, I was... I've always been someone who was interested, and maybe I could say not satisfied with just doing one thing. I've always had multiple interests. So um, when I was in college, I couldn't pick a degree. Could not. Scary. So I had a biology, I had done some acting classes, biology, psychology, and I was doing really well in school to the point where like my fallback was that I was going to go to medical school. Whoa. If I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do with my life, then I was going to become a veterinary, like uh, I was actually going to become a vet. So no. I have a... Don't do that. <laughs> I have a degree in biology and psychology, but my, so my psychology degree is actually my major and my biology degree is my minor because I didn't figure out what I wanted to do till my senior year of college. It's kind of like part of my... I didn't know you were such a brainiac. I'm a nerd. Yeah, absolutely. So I ended up, uh, which is part of my story too, I think knowing that I did well in school, I thought I had to be certain things and and didn't pursue passions in the way that I think if I had kids would be my advice, right? So I ended up uh, getting a you know, I was 
not sure if I wanted to be a therapist or whatever, but I was really involved with my sorority. I played sports, but I ended up like spending most of my free time with this youth group that I was just volunteering for. And I ended up being their intern for a summer. And there's this kid named Davis. And um, at the time, I was learning to play guitar. And Davis was a musician. And he's 16. Cool, cool kid. And He's one, still 16. No, I think he's he's probably like 26 now. It's disturbing. Um, he might... <laughs> surely he's not 30, but he might be close. Is he single? I don't think so. I think he's married. Um, weird. Really weird for you to ask that. Because he's like a child to me. He's 26. Um, weird um anyway so he ended up when we were at a retreat one time and he said you know the reason we all like to talk to you about god is that you're the only one who can relate to the athletes you can relate to the you know cool kids you can relate to the musicians you can relate to all these different kids in a way that not everyone can and so we feel like we can talk to you about things that are of the divine and it was the first time i'd heard my like renaissance-ness as a asset instead of a pick what you want to do do one thing and do it really well um and so actually after that um retreat I said to my own campus minister I think I'm supposed to be a pastor and she said yeah we've all known we just wanted you to like come do it on your own and I was like I could have saved a couple classes had you told me earlier because you know chemistry degree or chemistry classes aren't something you like want to have in your back pocket all the time but um hell no I know it ended up being like such a good um experience to sort of have that but um that was sort of my call and it wasn't necessarily like I felt like that was the only thing I could do because I even went to seminary with the idea of like I don't ever want to be a lead pastor but I think how God works with me always is like I'd like put one foot forward and then things just sort of open up and um it's not that I accidentally became a lead pastor but it is that I accidentally became a lead pastor if you had looked at my journal in seminary it was like I'm just going to seminary because I'm like interested in this stuff and I want to do like parachurch stuff, but I'm going to like act and do art and do that separately. And then I'll just do this like, you know, but I wanted to make sure I was educated in it. I only applied to one seminary because I heard it was the hardest to get into. And I think I was like, all right, God, don't let me in. So I got in and that's that. Wow. I know. I'm going to drink water because I'm losing my voice. (sighs) (laughs) I heard the gulp. (laughs) Now, I'm always interested in like what pastors are like behind closed doors mm. because with that job title, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, it's an admirable job and mm-hmm. career to take on. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do accidentally put on an image of like maybe this person's life is actually all together yeah. for the most part. Right. Um, then I saw on CNN <laughs> how one of their mega church pastors, Jared Wilson, yeah. He took his own life at 30 years old. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. had two boys, a wife, mm-hmm. verified Instagram account. Um, yeah. Wrote a few books. Right. Um, and I streamed a couple of his sermons. He's actually a really good speaker. Great speaker, yeah. Um, he's very handsome, which, mm-hmm. um, which is, makes it harder to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was very open about his depression. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a disease. Mm-hmm. It's a sickness. Yeah. And... I don't know how you feel about it socially these days, but it's spreading like a wildfire. Mm-hmm. Um, even I question myself if I have it or not. Right. Because I'm sleeping all the time. I'm still grieving about my dog. Mm. Um, anyway, um, but it, it was kind of a nice, not nice, but it was just like a, like a wake-up call. It's like, what do these people go through? 
Yeah, I think that's the, um, so the last book I wrote was on authenticity. Um, and the reason is I think we've dehumanized people when so often people think they want to be on a pedestal and then they get on the pedestal and they're not allowed to be a person. And we've never, oh my gosh, we're never meant to be that. People from actors who burn out, someone I know made a short movie about that, mm. to people who like have, you know, name the mega church pastor who had, you know, cheated on their wife or had inappropriate, rela- whatever it might be. Um, and I think when we put people on a pedestal and act as if they're going to be the answer to if I can just be like them then we actually take away their humanity Um, one of the things that happened for me when I was working on the podcast um, was I had two people go through a really difficult thing at our church and they were very angry and very frustrated well in the midst of that I was having surgery that I wasn't expected to have Um, I had just gone into a doctor's appointment and I was supposed to just have an easy surgery. It ended up being complicated. My assistant was there. I'd gone through a breakup, so there was no one to drive me home. It was just my assistant. And I'm in the midst of this time, and they just kept calling me. And I was so angry and hurt, and I yelled, I just want to be a human. And I think in that moment, um, as I've processed that later, I've realized the number of times people haven't treated me like a human and how that's been a barrier for me, and that's felt really good on some occasions, right? Because mm. then I don't have to be vulnerable or intimate with people. I don't have to be whatever. You don't know me kind of thing. But <laughs> You don't know me. You don't know me. Um, that has not allowed me yeah. the spaces that I have created for other people. Yeah. So one of the things I'm looking forward to is I figure out what my next stage of life is. I think being a pastor for me is always going to be part of who I am if not vocation. Um, and I'm okay with that. I think for a lot of people, they, they're they a pastor. I'm not a pastor. I'm Sarah, who happens to be a pastor. So your first name isn't pastor. No, it's Reverend. Um, no, just kidding. I thought Sarah was your middle name. No, you no. Change your first name Mm-mm. to Reverend. Reverend. Okay. The Reverend. The Rev. Go mm. see the Rev. She'll talk you into the it. The Rev. Uh, I think... There is like a loveliness to realize like the gift I was given where I could be set apart to study my spiritual life and my spiritual practices. Um, And so I don't want to dishonor that by being like, I'm just a regular person. Because I think, unfortunately, there have been a lot of folks out there who are just like, I feel called to be a pastor. And then there are a lot of denominations that are like, you did it and that's it. And then we get some really jacked up, non, not very deep iterations of faith. Can it be a lonely job? Oh, it's it can be the most lonely job. Yeah, and how do you differentiate authentic people as versus not so much? I think we know it. It's hard to. Does it get easier to detect that? Yeah. Like who these people are. Yeah, you know, I won't. Um, like who can be your friend mm-hmm. or who's just being nice? Yeah, that's a hard one, especially for pastors. And I think sometimes we don't know what we're. Yeah, we don't. It know really that. blurs the lines, mm-hmm. right? I had a friend recently invite me, like someone from my church, especially when you're a church planter. So a lot of people that have come have come because they've heard me on something or whatever, so they feel connected to me. Yeah. What they don't realize is I always feel like I'm working when I'm with people from church. Uh, and that feels awful to them as well, right? It's like a weird blurred line. It's like if it's if you go to your doctor's office and then they came home with you and they're like, are you eating that? Right? Oh shit, I should stop doing that. Well, but also the doctor would feel embarrassed if they were eating bad. And the 
the yeah, fact of the like, matter is like pastors it's like watching a doctor eat nachos mm-hmm. Or watching a pastor uh, drink a beer. Drink a Stella. And they freak out. Yeah. But I don't. (laughs) No. I think, you know, you said something earlier. You said it seems to be everywhere. I think my next sort of passion is really this idea of creating spaces um, for people. Because what I'm realizing the gift of church community is, is it gives people a giant opportunity to be in a room with other people. And our, from everything from our rhythm of, sleep our pattern of you know they do all these studies to say people work better when they're working in the same building as other people not even when we're working on the same project like if you and i are working a project we have more energy if we're working on it in the same room of course so many of us live isolated jobs isolated lives and i think that's where we're getting this deep depression not only there's also all kinds of chemical stuff going on as well mm-hmm. but i think it's beautiful that jared was able to be honest with his depression. If I'm honest, what bothers me right now is that he hasn't even been dead for a year and the evangelical church is already parading his wife around as she talks about how she's moved through it. And it's like, honey, give yourself time. But they already want to make a commodification of her. Write a book about your grief. Write a do- And she's already doing that, right? Because she's in grief. And I think, oof, oof, oof. Too oof. soon. Let her do some deep work. Let her do some deep work because you're already making her be the face of depression. Mm. And that's going to be an easy fit for her. But the church wants to answer the question so quick instead of letting people sit in it. And so like a friend of mine. You think they're monetizing from oh, using for sure. her as a yeah. poster girl? Part of it is, I think, from health. I think part of it is people want, they want her story to be redeemed. Because really? what does it mean for the Christian brand if, no, I don't think they would name it this way. But what does it mean for the Christian brand that if we don't have the answer for all things, right? Trouble. Right. So now she can redeem the story, which, by the way, is good and great work. Logos therapy. It's always good to redeem the story. However, when you do it too quickly. I, maybe that's her pace. Maybe. maybe. And I hope so. I hope you interview her. Yeah, it might be cool. Can you get her? No, I don't know. You'd um, have to go to her house. Yeah, I would. Okay. Um, I think more the my hope and like I said I don't know her journey or story my fear is that they're already parading her around as a survivor because it's too uncomfortable to sit in the pain of that I hear what you're saying it might overwhelm her quite a quite a bit and very fast or she might burn out yeah or but maybe but I mean I see it both both ways too I mean could be a way to help her heal yeah this could be a positive distraction for her yeah like like what I'm doing right now this is a positive distraction it is. Um, it's funny you ask because it helps me to like listen better mm. to people. Because um, I had like an ex-girlfriend scar me of that. Say that you were bad at listening? Yeah. Mm. I don't know. Now, my reaction to that is like, I don't think I am. But it, you could be right. And I could be wrong, and vice versa. You just, I just don't know. Yeah, none of us know. Everyone's own. right. Yeah, <laughs> that's how arguments are, right? Everyone, mm-hmm. everyone's right. Oh, I'm the opposite. I don't know if you've ever studied the enneagram, but I'm a two on the enneagram, so I think everyone else is right. And what are you? That's what I'm. A, I'm a two, so I must be wrong. Just because I value people so much, and I worry about, oh, I hope they're okay. Have I wronged them in this conversation? Even when I know. Oh, I'm you're right. like that. Mm-hmm. 
I'm the same way. I'm terrified of conflict. Mm. I don't like grudges against me. Mm. I like having grudges against people. Oh, gosh. No, then we're not the same. <laughs> uh, if there was one superpower, Sarah, it's that I can make cars vanish. You'd like to make cars vanish? Yes. That'd be helpful in L.A. Yes. Yeah. Well, anywhere, actually. Anywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can reappear when I'm done. <laughs> you just want to get rid of... When I get to my destination, they can come back. I don't care. That's fine. Mm, this yeah. would be a good plot for a movie. <laughs> Making cars vanish? Yeah. Well, People we, would relate to in this area for sure. Driving see. over here, I was like, oh my gosh. Because where I live, even though it's only like 45 minutes away, it, no, it, it's not. the traffic is so different. It's 4,500 miles away. That's what it feels like. Yeah. I love talking to LA people too. So the group of folks I was meeting with this morning are all LA people. And they're like, I haven't been down to Orange County in forever. And it's like, it's not that far, guys. It's actually... It's pretty far. A lot of the people who came drove further than I did as far as time-wise because of traffic. Oh, my gosh. So you mentioned you met with uh, six entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. I mean, what are you hoping to accomplish in your entrepreneurial Yeah, so I am working on... One of the things that I really have realized with all of this Renaissance stuff is that it all is the same thing. And it's all about, I love creating space for other people. I do that from the talks that I give. Um, I do that in the buildings or designs that I do. I love to organize people's houses for them. I love to make space. I love to have folks from LGBTQIA community. I like to include people that racial reconciliation. So the joke is I do spatial reconciliation. But I love to have people gather together in spaces. And um, I'm working on different projects that are really about making space so from a podcast to a potential tv show it's all going to be based on serving pretty much kind of serving others no on making spaces so what does that look like so what does it mean to be a old church in the heart of an urban city that lost its ability to be with its neighbor well one of the things i love is that i get to go in and consult with these churches and i get to help them see how their physical space can also be an, a barrier to people. It can be a mm. help and a barrier. And so it's those conversations. It's having, I always joke that it's kind of like <laughs> put Queer Eye, Marie Kondo, and like Ikea, Ikea together. together. That's me. Yeah. Um, but also restoring old buildings like, is such a passion of mine because it says the story isn't done so yeah, that's what I want to do more of my... So you're into interior design. I am, have been since I was young. Wow. I started drawing closets when I was in sixth grade. And you're still doing it today. I am. That's great. And I didn't know I was doing it. It's been one of those fun processes because I always thought like, oh, no, like I'm a speaker. I'm a th-. And I am. And I love doing that stuff too. But again, even when I'm creating a talk that I do, it's always about helping people become part of a community it's about making spaces for people let's talk about public speaking yeah you seem to do an awful lot of that i do a lot of it are you is it comfortable yeah now yeah always has been but how do you feel when you're prepping for like a week or two a month is there any anxiety Mm -mm. it's all cruise control for you not cruise control um i would say i get excited i get anxious usually if i'm doing like a like i'll do week weekend things and so the first talk that i give when i don't know the community then i'm nervous usually mm-hmm. so you first. have to do research on like who your audience <coughs> is, who your audience mm-hmm. is who my audience is um you know i just did an event in south dakota 
And that's so different than doing an event in Southern California. Same age group. This was youth. Similar age group, all these things, but they're completely different. Their needs and wants are different. Um, sometimes their hopes and dreams are the same, but having just getting to know what makes them laugh, getting to know what makes them think, getting to know, you know, it's been, yeah. I love it. That's the challenge of it. So that's why I say it's never in cruise control, but it always is something that I enjoy versus like, I know public speaking is most people's biggest fear. It's not mine. It's not that bad, actually, especially if you do enough. <laughs> yeah, I have other fears that we're not going to talk about. I feel like we should. This should be the What is Billy Afraid of podcast. Uh, this is not about me. This is a uh, I'm highlighting your life right now. Oh, gosh. But uh, the highlights of my life. <laughs> well, this is your life. Well, I would love to talk about the lowlights, too. <laughs> I mean, that's how we relate to others. Yeah. Especially in our like insecurities, our pain, mm -hmm. um, what's lacking yep. and how we compare ourselves. Yeah. So now your podcast, um, which started a couple of years ago, Sanderlust. Sanderlust. Sanderlust, sorry. That's I, okay. I have an accent. You're Can't you fine. tell? Yeah, Sanderlust, we can talk about that. Um, now you mentioned quite a few times about the difficulty of dating in this age. Oh, in that, yeah, in that podcast, yeah. Because falling in love seems to be getting harder and harder these days. Yeah. And I agree. Um, and we're we're all on the same online stupid apps. <laughs> we're all meeting the same stupid people. I am people. not. Thank God. <laughs> okay, thank God for you. But <laughs> now, you're you were ta you were very open about like where you're at, your job title, mm -hmm. like it, it's intimidating, mm -hmm. and the fact that the fear of aging, which we all can relate to. Um, so, what has happened yeah. since? 2018 Gosh, till now, Sarah. Yeah. So the podcast, um, one of the areas that I had to change in my life. So the podcast really was a challenge for my best guy friend to change four areas of my life. And if I didn't, he was going to move me out of Southern California because he feels like we live in a toxic, toxic environment, um, which I don't know that is that he's wrong. But uh, <laughs> dating be. is definitely weirder here. Um, so I was I just said I didn't want to deal with it. For so long, I had dating. Oh, yeah, funnily enough, the guy that came when we did the movie. Do you remember the guy that came? Biceps. Yeah, we almost got married, and that was the tragedy. That's the guy. Oh, it got that far. Well, not that. Well, he had asked my dad. We'd gone ring shopping, but oh, and so we ended up seeing each other for almost two years after that, and almost getting married. And uh, it was, gosh, what happened? You know, um, that's been a lot of the pain. I don't know in still, some ways. Still? Um, on the show, on the podcast, you find out my best guy friend reveals that he had had a heart-to-heart -heart conversation with him at one point where he said he didn't want to be married to a female pastor. And why was he with you? Um, I think because he liked me. Okay, if I see this guy, Sarah, I'm going to crucify him. Please don't crucify him. Um, he's happily married. He got married within the year after we broke up. Motherfucker. <laughs> I know. It was really hard. Um, she's probably ugly. No, she's soups cute. Uh, and it really felt... That must have been crushing. It was crushing. What was more crushing, and like I wouldn't have believed it, it sounds like a really bad script, is a year after the last time I had seen him, because I saw him on my birthday. A year later, it was my birthday. I bought myself tickets to come see a show here in L.A., I've never really told anyone this publicly, but you can have this for your podcast. You're welcome. So I came to a show and I was going to come <laughs> totally by myself 
because I was going to celebrate coming to the venue that I always went to. I'd introduced him to this venue. And I knew that this particular singer, although we both liked him, this singer was also doing a free show in Orange County. So I thought, there's no way I'll run into him. I'm going to go to the show at my favorite venue. All the way up here. All the way up here. There's no way this guy was No way. And he sure enough was with his new wife. (laughs) Holy shit. And it's a tiny venue. And I, that is the moment where I was so angry with God because I felt like, how can you not protect me? I have worked so hard. I have given up having a normal life so that I can do this job. This was my best friend, my soulmate, I thought. And... And God, the venue was still bright enough for us to see each other. Yeah. Well, except the the hard part for me was that he pretended he didn't know who I was. Motherfucker! <laughs> I know. I mean, I didn't pret- I didn't go up and say hi to him either. But it was... Take us through that. Oh, gosh. You don't want to go through that. I was, think... it, was it literally like five feet apart, matched the eye line, and it was the turned s- away? It was the size of your living room. It's a tiny little hotel cafe. It's tiny. Oh, the hotel cafe. Okay. Yeah. Um... And it was, it felt like high school where, you know, you see the person you hurt your feelings and they're like right beside you in the hallway. Yes. But like for two hours and my friend, so I bought a ticket to go by myself and my, my dear friend, still a dear friend, he said, you're not going to go on your birthday to a concert. And I was like, no, this is my like, whatever. And he's like, no, I'm going to go with you. And he was the one who literally saw him walk up and was like, (laughs) and I said, what? Oh, your friend. Okay. He saw him first. Um, So I said, I just want to go home. And he said, no, because you'll continue to run away from your life if you keep running away from him. Because in so many ways, he had moved to the town that I was living in with his wife. I mean, it was it was brutal, but his life had moved on. He wasn't thinking about me. It was just he was doing his thing. Right. Um, And I think in that moment, staying in that room as hard as it was. Yeah. You couldn't even enjoy the show. No. Mm -mm. But. I could enjoy that, all right, I'm able to be here and be present and be myself and not, I'm not going to shrink away. I'm not going to disappear. Yeah. I wanted to, but I can just be here and enjoy this concert. And it was hard. Was it one of those, you saw him, but did he see you? I thought he did, but who knows? Okay. He acted like he didn't. But you matched eyeline? Mm-hmm. Okay. So that was like, it was gut-wrenching and that was hard. And I think for a long time. Because you only see that in movies. I thought it was like, when you tell that story, it sounds so far-fetched that that's why it felt as if it was a mean-spirited thing toward me. It felt like, you know, this God that I, sometimes I think I had a really horrible theology that if I just work hard enough, God will... Give me the, you know, the reward, right? The TJ, JT Jake's version of God, where you just, that's my God wants to give you all the good stuff. Right. And it was like, I got to shake that off too. Oh man. And when you shake, it's great to shake it off because you don't put, it doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. It doesn't mean that I'm not a good person. It just meant like that guy who is incredible and he's living a great life. Um, he, I wasn't who he wanted to support and be with. And that was hard for sure. Um, what was harder was feeling rejected by God in that. Um, because his life looked so good and fun. Mine looked like I was alone Understandably on so. <laughs> yeah. Like, God, this guy's having a good time mm-hmm. and I'm not. 
She's really cute. This hurts. I drove like 50,000 miles to be here. <laughs> to be on my own and reclaim a place that I love. And there he is. Yeah. I've been there a lot since then. I mean, God, that was eight years ago. So it's been a long time. Eight? Yeah. Okay. Gotta be. Have you seen him again? Mm-mm. My have you guys have. have you guys ever contacted each other? No. We probably okay. never will. Are you still resentful? No. Not at all. Okay. No, I think... That's good. Yeah, I can if you're talk being about, honest. Yeah, I can talk about the pain of that. Um, was like, that the worst? Was he the worst? Uh, that breakup was that the worst for you? I think it was. Yeah. Um, for me, I've had a couple since that were hard, um, but nothing felt quite like that because I'd never been sure before. Sarah, you're a very likable lady. Thank you. I've always had a good time with you. Thanks for all the th- three days total that we've known each other. <laughs> <laughs> The 48 hours I've known you. Now, I'm going to talk to you like your your parents or something. I'm like, what's what's going on? Why doesn't it work out? Yeah. I don't know. I mean. Do you know your own flaws? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And you're working on them, I assume. Always. Yeah. I think. I think you're you have big worth. Thank you. Right. I think I, I think there's a couple of things that make it hard for women in particularly to be partnered when they're considered, you know, it's that idea of the um, pedestal we talked about earlier. Sure. It is a lot easier to name a bunch of Hollywood star women who are single than it is to name Hollywood men who are single. Um, It is a lot easier to name female clergy that are single. It is very hard to name male clergy that Mm. are single. Um, we don't know what to do with women who occupy their space well. Um, women have been taught to shrink and be smaller and be, for lots of reasons, um, really toxic masculinity that suggests as if I'm big, then you're going to have to be small. And it's just not true. And I don't think we quite know what to do with women who don't need men but want them. And I think that's, a sad state of particularly the Christian culture in America. Yeah. It's not the way the rest of the world is. Um, it's just part and parcel of it. And I think particular microcosm of that is Southern California. Yeah. It's this weird, toxic bro culture. That's like, I don't got time for it. Um, does your job title always get in the way? No, I don't think so. Just with that guy. I don't know that. I mean, again, I, that could just be the thing that he said. Um, you know, obviously he felt like we weren't a match. And mm. and that was that. Um, I mean, there's so much that goes into that whole story. But but this image of you being a pastor, it's not like mm-hmm. killing your romance. Maybe. 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 But I think that's not just who I am either. And that image of Pastor Sarah. Pastor Sarah is only a portion of me. But sure. it is a portion of me. And then I'll be honest, after after that incident, I dated a few guys where that part of my life wasn't even part of us, which was healing and healthy in some ways because um, I needed to just be a girl and be a person. Yeah. But it also meant I couldn't celebrate the things about my job that were killing it, right? Because there was no space to do that. So I think... There's a healthy balance. I'm also not a traditional 
non-denom evangelical Christian. So that looks totally different for a lot of people, you know. Um, Can you marry a non-Christian? Yeah. And you don't have that temptation to always, like, lead him into Christ? No. I mean, I, I think that is such a... I probably back in the day would have been like, yes, but I think the more and more I just journey with the idea of the universal Christ of Christ in all things, I I really think that people come to their own understanding of Christ. They come to their own understanding of God and that it's never been up to me to lead anyone anywhere um, as far as that part. Like I can guide or be a beacon towards those things but yeah it is not influence yeah i am not yeah no Mm -hmm. i'm not going to direct your life no right no you have not hired me to be your spiritual life coach interesting yeah take ownership of it yourself and you'll find it better that way this is a really high value takeaway i'm having right now (laughs) yeah last night we had a so fascinating we had a thing called theology on tap where I just bring all these really big questions uh-huh. and people sit around a pub and just talk to each other about it. Yeah, because on the flip side, I mean, there are some Christians that are not so good people. There's a lot of Christians that and, aren't good people. But, and vice versa. And of course, we want the ideal kind of person who can be um, Christian and a good person who has a loving dad, preferably. <laughs> that, that's, just, that's just me. That's what you're looking for now? Is that what your dating profile says? I'm looking for someone who doesn't have daddy issues. <sighs> Sarah, I don't know what it is about my past, but I attract these daddy kinds. issues. Yeah, you know, it hasn't happened for a few years. That's good. But um, if we're going to talk about me, uh, a loving, loving parents is a very big deal. You know, I have, uh, you know, <laughs> I had a realization that I kept dating people who had really bad relationships with their parents. And I realized it what was- is that about us that we're attracting this <laughs> shit? I think it's because I was really. Because you are motherly. Maybe that's why. I think it's partly that I'm paternal. I'm paternal. You're very smart. Yeah. I just, I love cheerleading for people. Like, oh, I I love when people do well. And so maybe that feels like parenting. Like, oh, let me help you in your thing. But when it feels like a part-time job, Sarah, how much can you? I know. Come on. Come on. It has been interesting in my latest relationship, um, seeing someone who um has a really really solid relationship with his parents and it's Ooh, great that is seriously that's really hot <laughs> yeah he talks to his mom on the phone um yeah and i think his dad's cool super um that is so sexy brothers are his like best friends sister is like someone he really respects and adores um we've got other things we got to figure out but that part has been really fun because i love my family and my family's really healthy awesome so yeah lock him down (laughs) i don't think it's up to me it's a partnership all right fine but there is a very sensitive topic when it comes to dating someone you already know oh yes i would love to know your take and strategy (laughs) like you could be friends with let's say you're friends with someone of the opposite sex Uh for years Uh maybe just a few months but someone you've known for years very close already and then one day you're like Falling in love with this person. Oh, that is like a TV movie or a movie movie. I've seen too many movies. Forgive me. Mm-hmm. But let's say you have feelings for someone. Mm-hmm. How the hell do you crack it? How do you get out of the friend zone? Yeah. Oh, man. I've only done it once in my life and I'll never do it again. Mm. So then you don't want to do that. Well, there's nobody in... There's. 
You answer the question. <laughs> I think. Um, how, do you, how do you do it? How do you switch out of that mode? Um, Especially when you're the girl. I am the girl. Um, how do you do it? I didn't. Uh, so my what he's referring to is that he asked if I was what my story had been since the podcast. And I had dated someone for almost on and off for a year um, who was amazing agnostic fireman, salt of the earth, good guy who, if he's listening now, I adore the mess out of you and he adores the mess out of me. And we just were not meant for each other. Um, Such a visual imagery I'm getting. Oh, he's the best. And then I started seeing a friend and we had been friends for, or known of each other for two years. And we talk on and off about music in particular, or like we have pretty much all the same interests. And we, when we met, I think the difference is when him and I met, it was to me like I've never met anyone who has this much in common with me to the point where we are all telling our friends that, but he was in a long-term relationship. We live really far apart. Um, and so it was something we kind of put on the back burner, but we just enjoyed the other person. By the way, that's really rare to find someone with common interests. Oh, it is the weirdest, like to the yeah. point where I thought he was lying at first. Could I was, be. Like, I was yeah. like, are you screwing with me just to be funny? Because he, he yeah. researched your uh, LinkedIn. No, not because yeah. he researched me. I just thought he was being funny. Um, and then it turns out like, no, we just, we have a lot of the same interests and we've had very similar lives. Um, so it's been, I think that it was always kind of in the back of our minds. I think there's a difference between like totally changing streams. Like you've only ever been friends and whatever, but I think sometimes you'll know if there's a friend that you've been friends with for a long time, if there's a sense like this could be more. And I think the goal is always to want to be with your best friend, right? Yeah. So if you have a best friend that's of the opposite gender, I think that if it doesn't make you like want to hurl the idea of like kissing them or whatever, I think then there is this connection that you don't want to ignore. And then I think it's fine to bring it up. I mean, people are always like, well, that ruined the friendship. But I have several friends who have at some point told me that they had feelings for me and we work through it and we're still friends and I think as long as you keep boundaries up you can go back to where you were it might take a little while but you can go back to where you were okay so did this guy ask you out my friend that I've been seeing uh yeah I don't know that I would say that uh we this is okay this is the tv movie version and if this doesn't work out whatever I'll direct it yeah okay so he's a musician, and I used his music on my last podcast. Of um, course you did. But we were just friends, and I just really liked his music. And um, Sure you did. No, seriously, there was no... Again, he was in a relationship he was really uh, dedicated to. So anyway, he. Uh, it was last summer. I had broken up with someone, so I was not dating anyone, and I was in my car and his music kept coming on every time I got in my car and I didn't I hadn't played it in a really long time and it's not alphabetical I had no idea why every time I got in my car it was him and so I was like oh I should just check and see how he's doing not thinking anything of it last I knew he'd had a girlfriend that he'd had for years so texted him how are you doing he was like my goodness so good to hear from you gonna be in Southern California in a couple weeks oh. love to hang out with you Awesome. And I was like, when do you guys get here? <laughs> and he was like, I get there. And I was like, oh, I guess he's just coming down by himself. Then I found I was at a meeting and I happened to know his best friend. His best friend and I are colleagues. And his best friend said, or I said to his best friend, guess what? I get to see your best friend next week. And he said, you know, he's single, right? 
And I said, no. no. And he goes, and you know, I called it two years ago that you two eventually would end up dating. And I was like, we're not dating. He doesn't think that way about me. That's not what's going on. Um, but we met up and we hung out for like six hours. And I still, even after those six hours, didn't, yes. didn't think we were doing anything. Um, sure you weren't. Then I happened to be, true story, I was already going to be going up to where he lives. And I went up to visit. Sure you my, were. I was. I went up to visit my friend. This is all bullshit right now. I swear it's not. <laughs> I would pinky swear you. I'm a pastor. Have some respect. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. So I ended up, when I was visiting my friend up there, him and I ended up hanging out and again uh-huh. not sure about any of it and uh-huh. then one night he actually said we were watching a show and he turned it off and said we need to talk and that was that quick well no it wasn't quick i mean we had hung out a lot um nothing inappropriate nothing whatever but we just really like being around and knowing each other really well i mean late night talks and all mm, this sort of stuff cabin fireplace hot chocolate there was a fireplace yes cabiny kind of place yeah he's smart he's very smart um but he's also you know we're working out we have not figured out exactly what we're gonna do or how we're gonna do it it's new is he is he the one i can't tell you that sure you can i don't think there's a no one. one's listening i don't think there's a one i think there's ones i agree with you i think you can make a lot of things work and it's a choice and it's a now, time of life yeah maybe i'm just delusional by believing that because does he feel like he's the one yes but that's hard because it's the one for you. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. like you said, there are many ones if you choose to. Yeah. Make yeah. things work. Yeah. I uh, learned that from Rick Warren. Good person to learn that from. There's no one really. And it's not entirely God's doing either when you get matchmaked. So. Yeah. So because <laughs> I've had a couple ones. <laughs> Obviously, they're not the ones because I'm not with them because they're with the whatever. Um, <laughs> Is your podcast just to like call out your old girlfriends? Should I be worried? No. Okay. I think they're happy and thriving. Good. Yeah. Good. But yeah. I still think. I think it's really interesting and it's a, it, this is a diff, it feels different than anything I've ever been in before. And I think part of that is because we are, I've never had this much in common with a human before. Um, human. Okay. I mean, he's a human. Um, and just to have, but it can't go at the speed that maybe it normally would if it felt like, oh, this is, but I think that's safe and good. And we are just seeing each other. Okay. We are, he's working on his stuff. I'm working on mine. I'm not going to ask about his identity, <coughs> but you. is it possible that he can move down here and continue his life? I don't think so. At all, even though he's a musician. Oh, musician thing is the thing he does for fun some ways oh so his day job won't allow him to move here if he wanted to keep his day job no he would have to change companies but he could do that he could for you he could not such a huge fan of southern california so we will have to figure that out he'll get over it he's lived here before he'll still get over it because you're down here maybe you can't move out of state i might can you might can out of state who knows Maybe if the stars align again. Yeah. Right? But I think that was always in the back of our heads, whether we wanted to admit it or not, that the other person would... You know, I I would date other people, and I would think, man, 
And I that was weird because I'd only ever hung out with him once, and we've talked occasionally over the last two, three years. That just blows your mind that he worked out when it was so minimal back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like he's had a he had a really solid, healthy relationship. Well, I don't know if it was healthy or not, but it seemed healthy relationship for years, four years. Um, so there's a lot to work through after that too. You think he's still guarded? I don't know. Hmm. Well, give me his number. I'll ask him. Okay. He'd probably be like, uh, dude. <laughs> dude, Hello. I don't know you, so I'm going to uh, hang up now. No, he'd probably talk to you because he's like super into deep conversations. So he'd be like, oh, that's a fair question, man. Oh, he sounds like me then. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's cool. He really is great. But also, like, I don't think relationships define you. Like, no. They should be an accompaniment to what your life is and. Yeah, there's not a there. Another person will not really fulfill you. You have to like kind of be ready with your own self love and self worth. And that's part I think too of why there are a lot of people walking around because they're looking for the perfect relationship or the perfect job or the perfect thing that's then going to make them happy with who they are. Whole no. Exactly. Um, you got to take care of that yourself first. Right, and I think sometimes Christianity has boxed that up and say once you know Jesus, all those things go away, and it's not true either. Um, there's yeah. a holistic way of looking at your life that looks at all the pieces and not just part, you know? I don't think they'll go away. I think your, your eyes will open up more. Mm-hmm. That's about it. That's about and it. You still, have to, you still have to tackle your obstacles, mm-hmm. which are never ending. Oh, my goodness. You yeah. sound really upset about that. Uh, yeah, we could talk about that later. <laughs> but I think that just to recap, the deal sealer is the fact that you, you met up with him. And six hours went by, so, like, uh-huh. like like six seconds, like six seconds. Because um, yep. that's exactly what kind of happened to me with, you know, the last person I fell in love with. Mm. When we met for the first time in person, I I kept thinking, my insecurity in the back of my mind was like, when does she want to leave? Oh, when yeah, she, I've been there. Yeah, yeah when does she want to leave? But she didn't. We kept hanging out. And then we had like a late night dinner. I was like, okay, in the back of my mind, okay, she's going to leave after this. She's going to ask me to drop her off at her car. But she didn't. And then we kept hanging out Mm -hmm. in little Tokyo. And then it was getting late at night. And then I was like, okay, maybe now she wants to go home because she's probably like bored of me or something. But but I dropped her off at her car because it was already like 1130 p.m. And I was like, gosh, she's so beautiful in person. And Mm -hmm. She seemed a bit guarded at first. That was my biggest surprise. Um, but I still had a really great time because I, what I thought was a two-hour thing was like a seven-hour thing. And then I get in my car. I see her get in her car. She drives off far away to Ontario. And then... I Ontario, dr- California, not Canada, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> still a far drive, which, you know, I was kind of nervous. I, you know, so... Um, when we hugged goodbye, I was like, yeah, let me know you got home okay, because Ontario is really far from mm-hmm. K- K-Town. So I get home. A few minutes later, she calls me, and I was like, oh, no, she crashed or something, Mm-mm. or she forgot something. But she just wanted to talk. Mm. And then we talked till sunrise. Stop it. That is a movie right there. Yeah. I've never done that with anybody before, and it's one of those moments I've always been envious of because mm-hmm. you only you only hear that from your high school friends mm-hmm. or from Dawson's Fucking Creek <laughs> or <laughs> Dawson's Creek ruined us all. <laughs> all those kinds of stupid shows, right? We talked till sunrise, and it was it was amazing. And how long were, did you guys end up seeing each other? 
If it all was just that day, that I'm going to really be upset. No, it was all together maybe seven months. Okay. Yeah. But get this. The next day, we talked all night again. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's never happened to me before. Yeah, I'll admit it is. I, what I love is I think a healthy a healthy relationships helps you look and see your own insecurities and lets you work through them because their response to them is accepting and holistic and it's never your job to fix them i think in the past i've tried to fix people um it's tough it has been really fun experience in the last little while to have somebody who works on their own ish it's very insecure for me because i'm like wait no no no, i want to be part of you fixing you and nope it's me i gotta fix me for me and i you can only inspire, Sarah. I know I can. I can right? only inspire, and I think it's this beautiful. That's why pride is such a deadly sin. And now it is it, for me. It just I care so much about people, and I want the best out of them and the best for them. <laughs> you um, say, "Hey, you should get this tattoo because this will define who you are." No, and, uh, no, not. You that can bad. encourage others to change. No, um, but yeah, I think it's been like such a gift to both and difficulty. So like. All those things that I learned when I was younger, really unhealthy patterns of being aloof as a woman and being whatever it might be. Like I learned how to act like I didn't care. And this has been a breaking down of that and saying, I really care. And I don't know what to do with that because I don't get control whether you think I'm cool or not. Do you feel like you have to make barriers to yourself? Hmm. I don't think so. Um, I think I'm also learning like that I only get to handle this part of the relationship and they have to handle that part of the relationship and yeah. um i don't know i think there is no i think you're on a good point because it's a nice goal to have to help indirectly encourage someone to see their own blind spots mm-hmm. right now i don't know if that's pride or ego or genuine compassion because those lines get blurred too and i still get confused but if you can help someone see their blind spots and they make the decisions to change yeah. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, well, this guy definitely knows his own stuff and is working on it himself. And then he was sharing with me some of the, his tough stuff. And I had this anxiety because in the past, whenever people have shared these things with me, I immediately go into, how can I fix this? And he paused me and says, Sarah, <laughs> I am not asking you to fix this. I just want to be in, communi- in communication just, with just you. Just relating to you. Yeah. And I just need you to know that these are the things that I'm doing to take care of it. And then I gave him some thoughts that I had. And he was, thank you so much. It's helpful for me on my yeah. on my journey as I deal with this stuff. But I think it's... How did you take it? I felt really cared for. And I didn't feel overwhelmed. I didn't ah. feel... I felt like here's someone who values themselves and values me enough to want to work on their own stuff and not expect me to carry it and not yeah i mean again we're your just, shoulders are dropped they are but it's hard i mean we're just figuring stuff out we'll see where it goes well i truly hope it works out for you me too it would be really fun this musician man who's pretty far away either of you need to like get close together physically. Yeah, I, know. I think i'd be willing i would be willing to move but i also want him to be okay with me being willing to move. Like, I wouldn't want to, like, hey, I'm moving in. Not moving in, <laughs> just uh, moving. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think there's always, there's so much to learn about ourselves and who we are, and those are the only ways we get, I don't know, we get more content is the only word I can think of. And the 
great part is and the hard part is realizing that even if this guy and I don't work out, which I really hope we do because I think it would make my life even more enjoyable, but my life is still good even if it doesn't. Yeah. You got to hold yourself up to a nice regard. And that's not always been my story. I think sometimes I've thought this is the relationship that will make me feel great instead of this is an addition to an already great life. It's more of an augmentation of your Mm -hmm. great worth. And it's really fun having someone who is my cheerleader. Yeah. I miss having cheerleaders. Yeah. Yeah. Do you need me to just call you and say, go Billy, like every couple of days? Uh, Not every couple of days, Sarah. Maybe just (laughs) once a year is good. Mm. (laughs) Well, I want to wrap it up by a very uh, thoughtful question. I'm ready. What is a perfect day for you? A perfect date? Day. Day? I was like, oh gosh. Perfect day. Now, not your last day on earth. Just what's a perfect day for you? So today is my day off. I love a Friday um, when I take my dog to the beach. Yes. I watch him run. Um, I get to walk the beach, just the two of us. Or someone else can be with me. That would be great, too. I love if I could have, like, work out. I love working out. Um, And then having time that isn't defined. I get so tired of my schedule being so packed that Mm. I really enjoy days where fun stuff just happens and it wasn't on the schedule. Probably communicating with somebody that I like super value, whether that's in person or... um, Mom and dad. My mom and dad, whatever it might be. Those days are so perfect for me. I love them. Just kind of a, a day with people that I really care about. You know, getting to see friends getting to see the dude, whatever it might be. Um, I think those are... Yeah, but what are you guys doing together? When we hit him and I hang out? Him, him and your friends. A great meal. I love a good meal. Um, yes. What are we eating? We are... Pro- pasta? I do like pasta, but no. I can't eat that much pasta because I'm gluten sensitive, non-intolerant. Um, sucks. I have a... I love Mexican food a lot. Yes, yes. So probably that. Yes. Yeah. I love it. I love nachos like a yes. lot. Yes. Like a lot. Lots of hot melted cheese that doesn't get cold. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Probably eating that. Okay. And what are we doing in the afternoon? Oh, my gosh. Um, well, like the other day, I went rock climbing with my friend Crystal. Ooh. That was so fun. Um, I used to rock climb all the time, so it was fun to start doing that again. Um, You're like an assassin. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> Your eyes just went crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, rock climbing. Yeah. Or, you know, the other thing, I love to FaceTime my niece and nephew. I like doing that in the afternoons on my Fridays. Just for like a minute, right? No, they're amazing. I could talk to those kids for hours. Oh, God. I know. I like to read them stories to bed. I love being around them. Yeah, that's my perfect day. I think simplistic. If I have time to create, I love that. Like if I could sand something or I can paint something or I can draw something, those yeah. are great days for me. So, yeah. Oh, wow. My day is really cramped then compared to yours. What's your perfect day? Ooh, I made noise. Sorry. Um, I wake up to the sound of rain. Ooh, okay. Next to the woman. Wrong city. Keep going. No, it rains. I mean, next, yeah. I'm, I wake up to rain and next to the woman I love. Mm-hmm. She could be clothed or not. Wow, I didn't need that much detail, but keep going. I'll cook a Hawaiian breakfast and... <laughs> Uh, bring it to her 
or she can join me mm-hmm. cooking it. Good coffee, and then we'll go to a like a mountainous cold hike mm. with my dog if she's still there. Mm. Um, my golden retriever. Yeah, I remember. Sasha, and uh, it's like a nice sixty-five degrees, and uh, <laughs> we'll get some pasta for lunch, and then bust out my camera, shoot the woman I love for fun. And then, gosh, afternoon's always the longest. I keep forgetting. What are we doing? Yeah, I guess we'll, like, talk to our parents on the phone, check in. Um, go see our friends. Um, we'll do some kind of physical activity. Oh, wait, we ha- we went hiking already. Yeah, you already went hiking. Anyway, I, I one of the things that brings me really great joy is, like, a like a house barbecue party yeah right having a bunch of people yeah me too with your favorite people yes nobody is awkward nobody like all of my friends are awkward in good ways yeah which is great but i don't need unlikable people there no i wouldn't be (laughs) uh me too actually part of my best day would have people over i love hosting people at my house i could tell Mm -hmm. yeah so I have I always have a great time at like a barbecue party. Oh, actually before that, like the woman and I would get a, like a massage. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we go to barbecue party, lots of dogs, lots of cheeseburgers, Christmas lights, all that shit. And then some people leave and then a few friends of us will get in the jacuzzi with some cold drinks. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, I'm adding you're adding to my perfect day. No, this is mine. I'm just saying I'm going to take part of your perfect day. No, this is mine. Stop having an attitude of scarcity. Keep going. It's copyrighted. <laughs> anyway, uh, our friends leave. We clean up. We'll, uh, I guess we'll shower together. Still Walk. more details I didn't need. Couples do that. I know. I'm just telling you. Okay. I mean, that shower could last two hours. Um, and then watch a movie or something. That sounds like a really good day. Hot cocoa. Hot cocoa. And, and then it starts raining again. It stayed. It stopped raining all day, except for just morning and night. You need to yes. move to Seattle. No. Okay. No. Too dark. Yeah, I've seen the movies. <laughs> Sleepless therein. Got it. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for having me over and talking to me awkwardly about my life. <laughs> I didn't think it was awkward at all. I thought this was really great. It was good to talk to you. It was yeah. one of the best chats I've had. Oh, good. Well, Sarah, I know you got a long drive home. Oh, I do. You got about 500 miles to cover. 500. Um, and I would walk 500 miles. Oh, wait. We can't sing that. We'll get sued. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, Sarah, you got like 500 miles to cover. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thank you for coming. And I hope I don't see you every 10 years. And yeah, I'm so long. sorry. I don't remember you coming to my birthday 10 years ago. It's okay. I, I mean, have... I'm still, I'm going to cry about it when I get home. That's not true. I'm seriously blurring out. It's okay. But you can come to mine next month if you're in LA. Your birthday is next month? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That would be awesome. Well, thanks again. You're welcome. I'll I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.